Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. As a hush falls over the crowd, as midnight approaches... Oh, gee, she's got it going. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, your navigators are once again loyal to their listeners as we... Yes, you look puzzled. It looks like the volume is very high. It was. <laughs> oh, okay. A little distortion there, but I think our voices will be distorted. We have to make a lot of noise because it's just the two of us this just time. The- that's right. Last year at this time, we, we were enjoying... A, a crowd of friends with us. That's right. We had all the RV Navigator... At, at TGO. At TGO. And this year... We, we deserted are, them. Right. Now, let's see. Here we go. I'm carefully twisting the cork as she's got her glass. And I'm, Wait. Hol- I'm holding the towel. <laughs> holding the towel. Ah! Ah! Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> here goes. She hides the microphone from the top. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Sound like a professional. Well, as is our New Year's tradition, friends and fans, we are joining you on New Year's Eve. Now, I have to admit that it's just a little bit early in the night because we have things to do. We are in Las Vegas. And it's New Year's Eve. (laughs) It's... We're doing it just a bit early so that we can join some of the festivities in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve because we don't get to do this very often. TGO was rather quiet, but we made a party out of it. And so here we are. And because you requested it, we decided to have a bottle of champagne with our recording, as we always do. So clink to you for a... 2018. Clink those plastic glasses. <laughs> well, it is an RV. <laughs> Do we have any glass glasses? No, no we have no glass glasses. Mm. That just gets us lubricated and ready to rock and roll. We're going to talk about all the things that we missed talking about for the other parts of the year. Like what? Well, like this long list, I have six pages of notes to do. Oh my God! So I'm going to pull. I'm going to do two bottles of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) And to do a Walter Cronkite and read it off to you all the exciting things. The the year in review. The year in review. We don't need to do that. Well, the year upcoming. We're feeling very grateful to be here in Las Vegas for many reasons. One being the fact that we have left the bitter cold that many of you are probably enduring. It seems like much of the northern part of the U.S. has gone into bitter mode. And those parts of the northwest that aren't all that cold have had incessant rain. So we feel very fortunate to be here in Las Vegas where the forecast is the same every day. Mid-60s high, mid-40s low, and so oh, we must admit that that's a little too cold for us. So we're <laughs> going to be heading a little bit south in the not-too-distant future as we head through Phoenix down to Tucson uh, via Quartzsite. So we've made reservations and we're headed south where Tucson is usually in the mid-70s and in the 50s at night. 
So that's much more to our liking. We're really glad we didn't have to drive here after the holidays as we have in years past. There was a trip where we left our home when it was four below zero, and when Ken turned the ignition key, it sounded like we had a box of rocks in the engine, and that's an experience I would prefer not to have again. So Yeah, but the good thing is, is that it started, and it would start even if it was five degrees. So this year we brought the motorhome out west, as you know, and flew home for the holidays and flew back here when it got too cold for us to stay home. Exactly. It was below five below when we left home. Yeah, yeah. We came up 70 degrees just by coming by, here. Just by flying a little bit west. <laughs> and unbelievably, Las Vegas has not had any rain in 105 days. So our car, which was parked behind the motorhome, uh, has no raindrops on it. It has just some dust. And I hardly recognized our black car because it looked... <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was great. It was so thick with us. But uh, can you imagine a place that hasn't had any rain? No, no. And Las Vegas is experiencing uh, the hottest year ever. They had a temperature of 117 this summer. It's really hard to believe it right now that everything around here was 117 just six months ago. But uh, that's the case. And Las Vegas is cool in the winter, so the shoulder seasons are the times to be here. But even if it had rained as much as it normally does, a big four inches, so far this year, and the year is almost over, they've only had one. I worry about them. Yeah. You still see a lot of green lawns and fountains, and it just feels like... A.K.A. AstroTurf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're going to have troubles. Yeah, we haven't been out to Lake Mead to see what the level is, but... It's probably fairly low. Very interesting flying experience this time. We had no luggage. We had no luggage. We're going between our two homes. Those who know us in the international travel mode know that we always bring way too much stuff, and our suitcases are overweight or barely at weight if we have weighed them properly, and we always want to bring one more thing. But on this trip, we didn't need to. Yes. It was a luxury. So we will be traveling off to Australia in March after we bring the motorhome home and then spending once again our summer at home in Chicagoland. And then we will be heading to Portugal, Spain and sailing back to Miami in the fall. So that's 2018. That's 2018 in a nutshell. <laughs> yes, if we make it. Home is uh, where you park it, and the, the parking it here in Las Vegas has been very comforting. This campground, very inexpensive, 350 bucks a month. So we parked it here, left it plugged in, turned off the water, of course, pulled in the slides, and it sat here for five weeks. Uh, made us a little bit nervous, but, you know, I have my Guardzilla in operation. So we took a look at it every so often from home, and it always looked exactly the same, just exactly. as we had left it. Yeah, which was uh, very comforting um, because I left the AT&T mobile hotspot here running. I could take a look at the inside of the RV, and we, it has a little alarm on it, so it didn't give us any alarms. And we have the spot on the roof, and the spot is the device that, does geotracking so that if the motorhome does move, it sends us an email and we uh, will know that it's on the roll. But this was a very nice campground. We did that. leave some food behind, but we tried to be more proactive in terms of how we put it away. <laughs> and if any mice came in, we haven't discovered no, them yet. No, that's been good too. Las Vegas is a town that you can camp very reasonably uh, within 15 or 20 minutes of the strip. <gasps> Almost. Already, you're, already you're spilling your wine? I pressed this elixir. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, 
Time for a break. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. It is good. Not too, not too sweet and not too dry. So Las Vegas is a place that you can uh, really do the, the camping thing to do the city for a very reasonable amount of money. So we've been able to spend our money instead on shows. And we had... Buffets. Buffets. <laughs> Two buffets for twenty five bucks yeah, is a pretty good, it's deal. good deal. But you got to get yourself the player's card, even though we don't do any playing. They give them out to us, and that gets you a discount at the buffet. We've noticed that uh, in the last few days that Las Vegas has gotten a lot more crowded. So we're kind of staying out of the downtown area. But uh, a little bit later on tonight, we're going to head down for the actual celebration down on Fremont Street. When we were here in November, it was still feeling kind of sad and traumatized. You probably remember on October 1st, uh, that gunman holed up in the Mandalay Bay and shot, was it 500 people? It still felt kind of sad and, and quiet here, but things have really picked up. We see many car licenses from California, so we assume that's a large part of the population as well. And as we work our way through the crowds, we hear a lot of people speaking other languages, Spanish especially, but from all oh, over the world. Yeah. Uh, so this truly becomes an, an international place, a good place to spend New Year's Eve, we think. We thought about staying down on the strip where the fireworks are shot off, but it's just too expensive for our blood. We're used to <laughs> campground type foods, and uh, for eight minutes of fireworks, it didn't seem worth it. So we're going to head to Fremont Street tonight. They have a big celebration as well, and hopefully that'll put us in the 2018 mood. Only 35 bucks for that one. <laughs> doesn't include any drinks or anything, but that's okay. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. The downtown, we have noticed, is uh, one of those places that is definitely supply and demand oriented in terms of pricing. It's amazing. Uh, this year in particular, I think the, the hotel prices have been very cheap. You could easily stay at a nice hotel for $30 a night. Especially after the shooting. Yes. But we contemplated actually staying on the strip so that we could do the, the things on the strip on New Year's Eve. But the prices went up to a minimum of 250 and going up to six and seven hundred dollars for those very same rooms that last week they were selling for twenty nine dollars or thirty dollars. So supply and demand is definitely in effect here and you cannot get a room we've been looking for over six weeks for just a room for one night and you couldn't get a room for less than two fifty. So not worth it to us. Not worth it to us. So we're gonna just stick right here. We would have been able to do the podcast live from our balcony. But if we had had one. If we'd had one. <laughs> hey, we're cheap. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, I'd like to remind you that, you know, every month I put up a very nice calendar picture for your wallpaper that has a calendar embedded in the picture for the current month. I'm getting about 120 downloads a month, but it seems to me like a lot of you would like to have a very nice picture on a monthly basis and have that nice calendar sitting out there. And all you have to do is go to the RV Navigator website and click on calendar and download the calendar appropriate for the device that you're using. And voila, you will have a beautiful original photo by me. <laughs> this month is, oh, I've got a fabulous picture of Mono. Mono. <laughs> 
knew you were about to say it wrong. Mono Lake. Mono Lake. Mono Lake. In California. Exactly. You heard us rave about it a month or two ago. I have wanted to go back in my archives, but I've got so many nice new ones that I'm just using There aren't ones. enough months in the year. There aren't enough months in the year, and I'm glad to share with you if you'd like to make that part of your uh, New Year's calendar. Even though we've been doing a lot of buffeting the last few days since we've been back in Las Vegas, many people don't eat out very much when they're in RVs. And we've read some articles where people think that they need to change what they cook and the way way they cook and wonder if they should cook. And we're going to link to an article that talks about that being in an RV full-time or not doesn't need to change how you cook at all. And I think that's one of the big nice things about being in an RV. Well, we like the fact that it's kind of our house and that we can just fly back here without suitcases and everything is here, including all of our utensils and and everything. But we also like the fact that our lifestyle is pretty much the same as it is at home. We eat out, well, and when we're in Las Vegas, we eat out more. But as a rule, we eat out about the same amount as we eat out at home. And the activities we do are about the same. Uh, And it's very nice to have your own bed and your own linens and your own bathroom and toilet and all that sort of stuff. All very convenient. And certainly those of you that are still um, contemplating this lifestyle and are still working, when you struggle with making a budget for how much is this going to cost me, I would say it would be quite accurate just to budget for food while you're on the road the way you budget for food at home. You really don't have to change it all that much. That would be my feeling also. For me, personally, I think I don't cook as much from scratch as I do at home because I don't have a huge deep freeze with the raw materials. You've got a huge deep freeze. No, I don't have... My mother had this little tiny thing about at a home, square foot. At home, I have a chest freezer in the basement. You do? Yes, I do. You're hiding it from me. And, um, <laughs> and all of the ingredients and embellishments that make good scratch cooking. I, you just can't put all that in an RV. But you certainly can go out to the grocery store and buy a scratch ingredients for whatever you want to make that day and and it's fine and i have a pretty good supply of utensils i can't make everything that the way i would make it at home but depending on how much you like to cook and want to cook you can certainly continue with what you and before you became an rv tuesdays has become instapot night Last month we talked a little bit about the Instapot uh, that I bought, and it's the way to cook things quickly and with very few dishes, which as the dishwasher I definitely appreciate. So our Instapot is an automatic pressure cooker. Now everybody's had a pressure cooker at home. They've seen their mother use it, and it's kind of a pain in the neck. But this, I made potatoes and meatloaf, meatloaf in one pan. I didn't cook anything beforehand. I just put the raw, I mean, I cut the potatoes up, just put them in the bottom with some water, put in the little trivet to hold the meatloaf up above the water, then put that in and cooked it for 20 minutes, pressure cooked it for 20 minutes, and voila, we had instant dinner. And... How did I? How many pots did I have to clean? Just one. Just one. And if you like to make uh, pasta kind of dishes, it's very nice that you can cook the raw pasta with the sauce, with the meat or whatever else you're going to put in your sauce, all, all in one without having a separate pan to boil the noodles or in a separate right. colander to drain the noodles. And as the dishwasher, I appreciate that. It's all just there in the one pot. That's exactly. very nice. And you put in exactly the amount of water that you need, and so there's nothing left over. And, of course, it's also a good slow cooker for making soup and stews so from my yeah, perspective you made great little soup thank you i'm going to take the slow cooker out of the motorhome 
and put an Instapot in its place because right. it's about the same size. Although they come in different sizes from, what, 3-quart to 10-quart, right. depending we're, on we're how many people you're dealing with. Right. We're dealing with the size issue right now because we haven't bought the one from the motorhome because we didn't couldn't carry it out here because we didn't have any suitcases. And we went to the store and looked at them, and you can buy 3-quart, 6-quart, 8-quart, and 10-quart. And we have a 6-quart at home. We're looking for a 5-quart or a 3-quart here for the motorhome. And I would say for the two of us, most of the things we've made, the six-quarter was plenty big. We could have gone right, smaller. Right, and that's why I thought the five-quarter would be good for mm-hmm. us. And we're talking about less than $100, so don't spend a lot on it. Don't spend more than $100, but try to get yourself a real Instapot. So since the last time we were making the podcast, we have made several dishes that have been quite good in the Instapot. And in terms of speed and convenience, it's very nice. And it keeps things nice and moist, too. And if you look on the web, there are tons and tons of recipes. You can even cook things from frozen if you want to. If you want to just throw frozen chicken breasts in and cook them a little bit longer, you can do that, too. And you joined a Facebook group for Instapot recipes. I know, and I get this, ladies and gentlemen, is a miracle. This man had absolutely no interest in cooking, and he has so many recipes lined up. He'll need to start cooking on more than Tuesday to get them all in. No, 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 no. (laughs) Tuesdays is enough, but I might get you. It might be a new 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 Year's resolution to cook on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Do I have an ooh New Tuesdays and Thursdays? Ooh. Well, think about it. That almost blows my mind. (laughs) I better have something to drink. (laughs) She's going to convince me. She's going to get me drunk and convince me. And while we've been talking about how much it costs to eat while you're a full-time RVer or on the road, we found a very interesting article compiled by a full-timer who kept track of all of his expenses for everything, campgrounds, um, what he spent on fuel, what he spent on propane. Um, He kept a very complete accounting ledger, and he made it nice on the web with little charts um, so you can really get an idea of what it would cost you if you wanted to become a full-timer. He did a a very nice job, I thought. I thought so, too. Well, we don't know the uh, RVer's name, but... uh livingandbeauty.net is the name of the website and it's very interesting they're full-timers and a lot of people want to know what it costs to be a full-timer average night night in a campground costs $28 is what they said they spent anywhere from $76 to $7 to free for campgrounds they, in the last year, they were in 113 different locations. I, they seem to travel a lot like we would travel uh, if we were full-timers and how we travel if we were to extend our, our, our typical travel. Driver. Average monthly cost for diesel was $340. Average, mile, ooh, average miles per gallon, 13.76. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Um, anyway, so you might want to take a look at this. Just if you're if you have a question about how much you're going to, to be budget. spending on, uh, on RVing expenses, they spent thirty dollars a month on propane, which of course we don't spend. And lots of other interesting things: free nights versus paid Pay nights. nights. One hundred and thirteen free nights and four hundred and eighteen paid nights over three years. Yeah, so that's that's three years or two years. Oh, that was three. Well, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, it, it, it's a very interesting website, and as I said, uh, that's at livinginbeauty.net, which is one word, dot net. And of course, I will put a link to this on our RV Navigator website, 
for this episode, which is episode 154 for January 2018. The other appliance that we're looking at buying is a replacement for our toaster oven, which would incorporate an air fryer. I like tater tots. Ken has suffered from a lack of fried food for quite some time now. In my effort, not after tonight. In my effort to keep the dear boy alive, I've pretty well eliminated that from our menu selection. When was the last time we fried something? Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Exactly. And frying is messy too, and so cleaning up little and spatters all right over in the pans afterwards. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. So, Unless you have an actual fryer. We don't. And then you have to haul around the fat. It's just so I've been looking, and Consumer Reports said that air fryers are really a pretty good choice. And in looking around, I find that you can buy a combination air fryer and toaster oven. We have a small toaster oven. We love it, the Breville. But we're looking at something a little bit bigger, because that's what air fryers need, that has an air fryer component to it. So it would be convection oven, toaster oven, and air fryer. We're going out this week to look for one. Maybe. Maybe. If it fits in the footprint. Oh, yeah. It has, to, it fit. has to fit in the footprint. Our Breville is uh, pretty big. small. Oh, the one we have now. Yeah. You're talking about the one at home. Mm-hmm. I think the one at home would fit there nicely, too. Mm, I don't think so. Anyway, this will be some negotiations going on, depending on how Tuesdays go. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want an air fryer, you have to cook on Tuesday and Thursday. <sighs> Well, Wheeling and Dylan. Maybe we can, we can take. Oh, <laughs> every other wait, wait, day. Time for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to drink me under the table here. <sighs> wow. Half the bottle left. Okay. While we're talking about how much things cost, we know that our viewers, including ourselves, love to stop at Walmart because the price is free. And occasionally we read um, kind of huffy comments on the Facebook about people who go to a Walmart and it doesn't allow camping. And they act like, like it's, it's a right. Like, like a, yeah, like it's. It's part of Walmart's job to to put us up. And we want to say, although many of you already know this, that in some communities, campground owners have petitioned the local government to ban camping at Walmart because it takes away the business from the campgrounds. And they'd rather have you come to their facility and spend the money with them. In other cases, people have misbehaved at Walmarts yes. and kind of moved in and put out lawn chairs and put their jacks down. And, or they tried to live long, ter- long and term. And stayed a long time. Being inconsiderate like that certainly would turn a Walmart's mind off to the idea of com- accommodating yes. other RVers. Um, but we found an article where some guys went to a variety of Walmarts over a period of time and just kind of witnessed who was coming and going and interviewed some of the people who were staying there about why they were there and what they were doing. It was kind of interesting to see all the different reasons why people boondock at Walmart. Yeah, and I consider boondocking at Walmart just kind of an emergency on the road. Walmarts are frequently close to the expressway, um, and so you can get off, take an eight-hour sleep, and then get back on the road again if you're traveling. But a lot of people think of Walmarts in a different way. And I don't think we've ever stayed more than one night, maybe no, two nights. No, I think it's Sedona. Maybe in Alaska. It's just Sedona we stayed two nights. But we have rarely stayed more than one night at a Walmart. And I just think that that's the way that uh, we should treat the Walmarts. It's kind of a last-ditch one. You know, An emergency almost. Well, stop. kind of, yeah. But 
<laughs> if you feel unsafe about going to the Walmarts, then you're going to have to pay to go to a campground. And that's one of the things, the issues that I read about, too. People say, I don't want to go to a Walmart, and I need someplace else that's free. Well, there aren't many other places. And uh, I would say we have camped for free quite happily at, at other places, yes. like casinos and Cabela's we've had good yeah. luck with. People have camped at, what's the, Cracker Barrels? Cracker Barrels, right. I think we did that once. Yeah. And those seem to be less well-known, and uh-huh. so there are less RVers there, and maybe we're less of a pain in the neck at those places. But places like Quartzite, where we're going to be headed uh, after we leave here, are where you can boondock for free, virtually free, for long periods of time or as long as you care to stay. Because and nobody cares and lots of people are doing it. And it's definitely uh, within the bounds of the the norms for RVing. So that's uh, definitely an option. There are BLM land places, Bureau of Land Management places throughout the country, I think, that are pretty inexpensive. Certainly west of the Mississippi. Yeah, more. much more so. And, of course, Quartzite is, is probably one of the most famous. And we'll be headed out there in mid-January, uh, missing the show, but uh, we will be camping in the desert. And even if you don't go for the show, there's lots of things to do there because there are always vendors hawking stuff. It's not necessarily RV-specific, but uh, the rock and mineral show is there, and it's just interesting to go and, and camp in the desert. Plus, I like to exercise our boondocking capabilities. I like to make sure the pumps work and the water tanks, uh, the sensors are working and the generator is working and the solar panels are charging the, the batteries because when you're hooked up full time as we've been for the last five weeks or six weeks, those things can aren't tested. Aren't tested and I think exercising your RV is a good thing rather than letting it sit and uh, that needs to be done every once in a while. So we actually try to boondock on a regular basis at least every few months. If you're interested in a little bit more information about living off the grid uh, as a sustainable living, I'm putting a link, living off the grid for months at a time in the sustainable living vehicle. For those who seek to live adventurously in the most remote places of the world while still enjoying the comforts of home, the living vehicle which I'm going to put a link to, might be your dream space on wheels. This mobile living area was designed with both luxury and sustainability in mind so that you can live the life you want wherever the road may lead you. And that's at Digital Trends. And uh, I'm going to stop and make a comment here because the Digital Trends website is just so full of ads. And we have been enjoying, I think, at home... A fairly uh, ad-free life. A fairly ad-free web life, anyway. Because we installed, uh, since the last time I made this podcast, I installed my Pi Hole, that's P-I-H-O-L-E, which is a device that allows me to block the ads at the system level. And we've liked it so much, he's brought a Raspberry Pi with us on the plane so he could... Well, it's uh, very small. Put it and it on, weighs only ounces. Put it on our network here in the motorhome so exactly. we can lead an ad-free life, almost. But uh, if you're looking for an ad blocker, it, this actually does several things. It, it speeds up your internet connection just by the way it works. Um, so that's a big plus. And not downloading those ads and these pages, it's, it's stunning to us how many links there are on a web page that bring in ads. <clears throat> 
And if you're in a stick-built home with decent internet, you might not even be aware of it. But as soon as you travel to a campground with pokey Wi-Fi, or we really notice it on cruise ships, you start to load a page and it takes forever for each portion of the page, which contains an ad, to come in and load. And you're wasting time, you're wasting your data if you're using your cell phone for data. And this just eliminates all that. Exactly. And we talked about this last month, so we refer you to the December 2017 edition of the RV Navigator, but I want to confirm again that using a Raspberry Pi, which took me less than half an hour to set up, the second one took me less than half an hour to set up after the first one, and um, it should work very well here in the motorhome when we're using Wi-Fi so or cellular connection. So that'll be very, oh no, I can't use it with the, hmm, I cannot use it with the AT&T Mobley. Why? Because it doesn't have an Ethernet port. Oh no! So only so with campground Wi-Fi. Well, there may be some workarounds, but yes, basically that's true. Oh, well. Well, if you use a, if you use a Wi-Fi router that has a Ethernet port, you can use. That's it. what you need. That's what you need. And the why the this we're talking about a thirty-five dollar device, and half an hour for setup. And once it's going, it's going. Well, that's half an hour for you. How about normal people? Could I have done it? Easy. You're a very cookbooky person, so that they have the cookbook directions on the web. You don't have to be having any intuitive no. knowledge of. Not really. Okay. I think that almost anybody could set it up, and for that kind of money, to to block out your ads. And as I said, this digital uh, li- this digital trends website just has Boku ads, well, and YouTube has ads, and it just takes all living. those things out. We were surprised that about thirty percent of our web traffic was coming from ads at home at home the nice thing about it too is it has a very interesting uh interface so that you can control it with the uh, with a web page and it also has uh statistics that are very interesting to look at like how many hits it's blocking and you can then permanently block some sites so if you have kids and things it'll also help you with that because it's been so darn cold lately, we hope that all of you have already winterized your rigs or you're going to have some burst pipes in the spring. But we did come across some useful information about the whole topic of winterizing. Last month I mentioned that I use, that I recommend using antifreeze for <laughs> winterizing your RV. I didn't really go into that in a lot of detail, but I had a fair number of comments from emails about people who said, well, I just use air and air is fine and air is free. Yes. That's true, but there are some other factors to consider. One is is that, of course, liquid antifreeze is very cheap. Two is that if you have lines in your RV like we do that are not flow-through, that you cannot use air. So, for instance, the lines that go to our washing machine, which is at least 20 feet of hot line. water and cold water of line. of line. That means that I can't blow that out because I can't open up the other end in order to let the air blow the water out. So I have to put antifreeze into those lines. Um, the ice maker, dishwashers, all have that kind of a line that cannot be blown out. So I prefer just to use antifreeze. And a lot of you said, I don't want to use antifreeze because it tastes bad. And that is absolutely true. But there are two different kinds. <gasps> really? There's there one are two different made out of ethanol and one made out of propylene glycol. And I didn't even know this, that there are two different kinds of 
a non-toxic. Yes, it tastes bad, but it's still non-toxic. So I kind of just put up with it for the first couple of weeks. It's not like the line, the water is still pink, but it's uh, it still kind of tastes bad. And the ice cubes, of course, taste bad for a while too. It's worth it because we have to do that. Uh, I have to use antifreeze in this in uh, this particular rig. And if you have a an ice maker or a, a washer dryer, you can't blow those lines out unless you disconnect them from the washer dryer and that is a real pain in the neck. But people complain that the ethanol based antifreeze um, has a bad taste that stays That's, in the oh, plastic yeah. pipes yeah, for a while. Yeah. And we have definitely tasted it, but I would say we blow it goes away within half a day of using our Yes, water but system. I think if we use the propylene glycol then we wouldn't have that taste. We don't have the taste. Well I didn't even know that. Good to know. Good to know. And so that this article, which I'll put a link to, has the recommendation of using the little bit more expensive, uh, and it's called Dow Frost. D O W. I've seen that, like Dow Chemical. I would guess so. And it says uh-huh. you can go to Walmart. Its house brand, SuperTech RV and Marine Antifreeze, is a virgin pure ethylene glycol. Wait, virgin? Is it like well, olive oil? No, they talk about here that. Uh, Oh, recycled. It's not recycled, which is another important fact. This article is well worth reading if you are doing winterizing. Now, those of you who are in Florida, just sitting back, twiddling your thumbs, I know. But take a a glass. Take a glass. Take a drink. And you may not always be in Florida. That's right. You may have to winterize. Join the thousands and millions of us who do winterize. Am I getting belligerent? (laughs) Just a little rowdier. (laughs) Top 10 gadgets of 2017. These are all tech gadgets, right? Top 10 tech gadgets of 2017, according to Time Magazine, an impartial source. Do I have any of these? Yes. I do? You don't don't have the ones that aren't in the Apple Galaxy, though, like Samsung stuff. Yes, I do. And an Xbox. I don't play games, but... Number one is a Sony A7R3, which is a digital. That? No, I've gone away from digital SLRs. Remember, I've got the Panasonic right. TMV2500, which is a all-in-one with a 24 to 960 millimeter lens. Wow. Not interchangeable. One-inch sensor. So I'm happy with that. So that they can have the Sony. Number nine. Oh, I'm getting more champagne. Number nine. The Apple Watch 3. And how do you know if it's an Apple Watch 3? Because it's smaller? No. Because it has a 3 on it? No. Then I don't care. Yes, you do. And whenever you see the red dot... What red dot? Right there. That means that it's an... I don't have one, but I'm looking. I did buy the Apple TV, the new one. The and you bought a new iPhone. Well, that's coming up here. And then the next thing is the, the number... Eight is the Xbox One X. I don't play games, so I don't know about that. But don't people do other things now, on those? The too? Amazon Echo. Weren't you impressed at Thanksgiving? No. I I'm phobic about having Alexa, set the timer. I'm phobic about having electronic spies in my house. And while I got me. And while I'm still ambulatory, I can get up and set my own damn timer. Thank you very much. So you don't want an Amazon Echo? No. It's nice looking. No. But it's, it's on the Time Magazine get topped. That's fine. It's number seven. Number eight, 
Super Nintendo, another game. game. Th- they're big on games. A lot of people they? play games. Okay. Number five, the Samsung Galaxy S8, which is the successor to the one that blew up, the S7. The so, lithium battery Yeah, the issues. lithium battery, so that's good. Um, so that's probably a good phone. And then the DJI Spark. Which you already have. Which I have. Coming down to $350 if you haven't got yourself a what cute a deal. Li- a cute little... <laughs> You're yeah. not gonna. You're getting coal next year for Christmas. <laughs> and then number three is the Microsoft Surface laptop. They finally caught up to the Apple Air, so that's the comparable model to that. And then the iPhone 10. I was very much on the fence about the iPhone. It seemed like having that facial recognition and having no home button was going to be a real problem. But uh, after going to the Apple Store, which we did the last time we were here in Las Vegas, and then at home, I found out that I was eligible to get a new Apple iPhone. I went and bought one, and boy, is it nice. Um, It's slim. It's fast. The huge screen, the screen is bigger than the old 7 Plus, and it's so much easier to use. It's just amazing. I don't. The facial recognition is amazing because you just hold it up and it automatically recognizes you. You don't have to do anything. It's almost like it's always open. And until you give it to somebody else, you think it's the facial recognition is not working. But it just recognizes. And I mean, in dark and in light, no matter what the conditions are, no matter whether I have sunglasses on, it just works. And that's a pretty amazing technology. New camera is very nice with a 2x zoom so i've been very impressed with overall with the apple new iphone but the price but of course it's just hard for me to justify and i didn't get one she didn't get one so she is iphone x-less my phone is slowing down as my battery is running down day by day. Well, but we're going to send in to get the $29 battery replacement. Uh, Even though it wasn't on the Time Magazine Top 10 list, I found a, a high-tech you? Um, helmet really? under the Christmas tree that Santa brought me, oh. which was a new bike helmet. Safety, especially when you ride on the street, is always an issue, which is why I try not to ride on the street, but sometimes you can't help it. And this helmet has amazing like hit lights. Is that what those are? LEDs, LEDs. Uh, that flash in the front and in the back, and you have a, a hand thingy. It is, and it has an app <laughs> on your handlebars, so you can signal, a helmet that has an app, <laughs> so you can signal left turns and right turns That's and right. stops. It stops. So that, so that should make cars notice you even more and be aware of what you're planning on doing. So we have not had an opportunity since Christmas to go for a bike ride, but I'm looking forward to but using my... But they did my, come all the way from home in our suitcases. My new, no, well, we carried them. Yes, well. But we got high-tech helmets that have batteries and have to be charged, have Bluetooth, and have an app. Wow, what more could you want for your head? Well, safety crash protection. You know what would be nice would be Bluetooth speakers built in. You've got your headphones. I know, but this way I have to wear headphones and a helmet and sunglasses. My Uh, poor ears. Well, if you want to talk to them, I guess you can. I think it would be a good idea. I think you don't want to add the price in there. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. They're fairly pricey. I'm sure you've seen this ad around Christmas time about the Ford F-150 that has backup assistance for your trailer. If you haven't been to YouTube and done a search on the F-150 with backup camera, not backup camera, but backup assistance, it is way cool. You sit in the cab of your truck, 
and you can face forward and back up your trailer and put it exactly where you want to. You put in a few parameters, apparently, about your trailer. You put a sticker on your trailer that it recognizes with the backup camera, and then it knows the parameters that it needs to back up and, and put yourself into a specific spot. It looks very cool, and... I thought the ad on TV was just kind of a joke, oh, but from watching people do it on TV, now when it, on the YouTube. From what I saw, I had trouble visualizing how it would recognize the typical things you could run into in a campground, like, well, like a big boulder or a garbage can or those sign markers that mark the site. Yes. Uh, will it see all those things? No it, doesn't, no, it doesn't see any of those things. What it does is, is that it has a knob on the dash that you use to steer. So you say, I want to go into, you, you You line it up so that it is angled into the spot that you want to go into. It doesn't have any avoidance. But it will... It knows when to turn the wheel. It wheels. knows when to turn the wheel to get you uh-huh. in. And if you're on a driveway, it will get you in through yeah. that driveway. It's yeah. assuming that there's no hazards on the driveway. It would be a huge help for nitwits like me. <sighs> well, anybody backing up a fifth wheel or a trailer yeah. just would find this to be really nice. And so I would think that's a, <laughs> a must-have feature on your new Ford. And I'm, I'm amazed that they could actually make that work. Never thought about it. We get a lot of stuff from Amazon. And you've heard us rave about it all the time. And by and large, getting things delivered with Amazon Prime in campgrounds has worked for us pretty well. Sometimes it goes to the office of the campground. Sometimes they even deliver it to our site. But when you are ordering something that maybe is a little pricey or you're in a campground that you're not sure how safe it will be, um, we want to make sure that you're aware of the fact that you can also have stuff delivered to an Amazon locker. And we saw one on the Las Vegas Strip just when we were walking past one casino. Um, They're often in shopping malls. Well, I was surprised that I could take my package, my return package, back to Kohl's and have them return it for me. Did they have lockers too at Kohl's? I don't know if they. I don't know if they take delivery. Deliveries, but the, I it said I had I returned something to Amazon, and they said, "Oh, this is something else I should talk about." I returned my slide copier. I bought a slide copier, and I and it didn't work. And it did work. I've been doing a lot of copying of old slides, just to get off topic here, just a little bit. But I've copied seven thousand slides in the last month or so, using this little hundred-dollar device that automatically copies 35 millimeter slides. It works pretty well. 22 megapixel pictures from each slide, and you just put them in there and feed them in until it stops. So it once, takes negatives. Once you know how to do it, how many slides could you do in a minute? In a minute? Yeah, just to give a feel. Two. Okay, because people our age have mountains of slides to go through. 7,000. Well, and I did a lot of scanning, too. I did picture uh-huh. scanning. Uh-huh. and it'll. T- but it does a really nice job with negatives. I was very surprised with that. It has a negative holder. You just slip them through. and A great rainy day or below zero activity. Which is exactly what I was doing. But anyway, the first one I got was DOA. And so I had to return it, and one of the options was to return it at Kohl's. And I was surprised at that. So Amazon must have uh, new deals with these companies. But I was able to send it back for free uh, through UPS, so that worked out fine too. But I don't know how the Kohl's thing would work. But that was. Do you know what the locker is? How to find out where a locker is near you? I haven't. I assume you can do a do a search on Amazon. Uh But if you're a little bit worried about getting a package delivered, it would be. 
an alternative to... And I, there are a lot of coals around, too, so I assume you can have your package delivers there. We've had a lot of people who are worried about going across the mountains on <laughs> the wintertime. And, of course, we would recommend that you do not go through Flagstaff and places like that. Um, that are known to be snowy That are known places. to be snowy, especially at this time of year. And, of course, the northwest is just going through oof, tons and tons of rain. And we were just there, and it was beautiful weather. Anyway... <sighs> Too much champagne. <laughs> the burping begins. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, doesn't quite work. Anyway, there is a website that calculates the flattest route, and that means you wouldn't have to go through the mountains. Well, you might have to, but it would calculate. And, a long way around. You know, I read the the entries from people on Facebook, and they just are scared of going across mountains. Maybe they they don't think their truck is big enough, or maybe they don't think they have the experience to drive in the mountains. Whatever it is, they are nervous about driving in the mountains. And this website, which is called, which is www.flattestroute.com, so it couldn't be easier, is a site that uh, will tell you the flattest route between two points. And I found out on the way to Quartzsite that we're going to have to go through a couple of mountains. I don't know. We don't really care too much about that. It seems to work fine. As long as they aren't full of snow. Well, yeah. That still concerns me. Definitely snow is a bad news. There's snow between here and Quartzsite? No, there's mountains. Oh. There's hills. Well, I don't think they're even mountains. They're just hills. So I'm not really too worried about that. Yeah, we're not in the flat Midwest. It seems like almost every month you hear us machinating about electricity and one problem that everybody wants to avoid is dead RV batteries. Always frustrating and sometimes mystifying why did it die? Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that RV batteries are good for a limited number of uses or charge cycles and the deeper you draw a battery down the fewer charge cycles you will get out of it. Um, People are very surprised that their batteries go bad after six months and why would your battery go bad after six months? Because you've run it down. Several times. Fifty uh percent. -huh. And there are things, things in RVs that run a battery down that you might not recognize? Yes, but you just need to keep track of the number of cycles and how deep it goes. People say, well, my batteries were dead, and so I charged them up, and now they won't hold a charge. Well, that's because they've been dead for six weeks. Well, this person said they had a broken closet door, and so the door would open just enough so the closet light would yeah, go on yeah. while they were driving, and they inadvertently... Right. Total their, their battery with that kind of thing. And you need to be very clear about the things that use 12 volts and the things that use 120 volts. A number of people have made comments that I lost the power on the pedestal, but my lights still work. Well, that's because they're all 12 volt. Or the same thing happens. I have power at my pedestal, and I don't have lights. Or I've lost my pedestal power, and my furnace isn't running. But those two things are totally independent because furnaces are always 12 volts. So you need to be very well aware of the 12-volt electric system and the, the 110 or 120-volt that comes from the pedestal or whatever, the generator or whatever you have providing you with 110. Inverters do a very nice job, but they use a lot of battery juice. And that's why we have eight batteries. And I regularly check them. You need to check them for water on a regular basis. I have an automatic watering system so that I don't have to worry about the water. But the problem becomes 
if your charger is not a multi-stage charger, then your batteries are going to lose water. And when they lose water, they lose capacity. And you put that distilled water in to keep the level up, but it boils off if it's overcharging. And leaving it plugged in full time is going to cause a problem. So please pay attention to what's 12 and what's 120 so that when you have a problem, you know where to start. It's an entirely different set of fuses. Uh, for 110, of course, you have breakers, and almost always for 12 volts, you have fuses, and they're in two separate places in our coach. As a matter of fact, we have two or three different places where there are 12-volt fuses and the breaker panel for the 110. But those are different, and you have a converter which takes 110 volts and puts it down to 12 to charge your batteries and a supplied voltage for your 12-volt lights and the refrigerator and all of those things. Somebody actually made a comment the other day that they had a 12, a, a residential refrigerator, and they were wondering if they could run that off the batteries. And yes, you can. And how long would it run? Well, they had a single battery. And so a refrigerator will run off of a single battery using the inverter, which is about 85% efficient. It will run off the inverter for 12 hours, maybe. On a cool day? And then she said, they came back and said, well, ours is a residential refrigerator made for RVs which is almost an oxymoron because a residential refrigerator is one that would go in your house. It runs off of 110, and so it needs an inverter or shore power in order to operate. And more batteries. And or more batteries, which is why we have eight batteries to run our refrigerator for a nice long time. But if you have a single a single battery, you're just not going to run your refrigerator very long unless it is a real RV refrigerator, which is an absorptive refrigerator, which uses heat to make cold. And outside it has a burner, and that burner is 110 for the heat or propane when you're on 12 volt, but the control system is always 12 volt. And it needs 12 volt all the time, and if you're going to use the heat from the 110 heating element, then you need shore power. It's always confusing, and it's very different than your house, and you need to pay attention to those batteries on a regular basis to see how long the, the water level will hold, and to see if the water level is going down regularly, then you know that your charger is overcharging your batteries. And it doesn't take them long to go down and then you'll feel your battery and it'll be hot and if it's hot and swollen your battery is shot and it's time for it to be replaced regardless of how when the last time it was used or last time it was replaced so while you're at it check your smoke detector also huh well somebody was saying their carbon monoxide detector went off because their batteries were outgassing oh no i don't know that doesn't make a lot of sense to me oh boy the problems you have when you're an RVer. Time for a drink. <laughs> it is. It is after all New Year. Let's get on to some more happy things here, huh? Well, you found a neat article about Pinterest. I don't oh. use Pinterest a lot, no, I don't but either. I have found a few times when I was looking for an item that I couldn't find anywhere else. There it was. Somebody else had found it for me. And this article talks about how to plan a road trip using Pinterest. They talk about using it to get inspired or motivated to get out and travel more and researching places to visit. 
Googling where to visit in Maine can be overwhelming. You'll likely end up with a bunch of tourist board websites and maybe a link to a BuzzFeed article. The great thing about Pinterest is that instead of sifting through titles and text, you can simply look at pictures. And this person looked at the pictures and kind of planned their... um, The champagne's all gone already. Route route through Maine from the Pinterest article. Uh, That means we're about done. They also uh, used Pinterest to save things that they had found while they were researching, many links to personal blogs by fellow travelers, such as us, and posts specifically related to RVing. And they said that they liked the RVing posts because they often included important information like whether or not they would encounter low clearances or length restrictions while visiting a new place. And they talked about the importance of a good way to vet out what quality of content you'll get on the other side of a pin by looking at the photo. How are the graphics? Does this look like a professional photo or a pixelated photo from a family vacation with text thrown on top? Typically, uh, this person looks for obvious stock photos or photos that look too professional because they are just advertising. Which won't be blocked by your... And they also use Pinterest to save articles for future reference by pinning places that they really want to visit so they can go back and look at at them again when they really head out and are on the road. So that's a a resource that I hadn't thought about using for travel planning, but it does make sense. And, of course, we will have the link to the Pinterest Suggestions article on the RV Navigator website for January 2018. And because, in some ways, 2017 was a rather upsetting year, we wanted well, to end. Why was that? We want to end this podcast uh, with some humor. A link to 34 hilarious signs from America's funniest gas station. There are people that collect these funny signs. Some of them are inadvertent. Yes. That are always good for a haha. You see them on Facebook every so often. So um, this has a nice collection of funny punny slogans from roadside signs. And last but not least, is a hot dog a sandwich? I think so. No, you're kidding. It's a piece of meat between two pieces of bread. No, it's not. No, it's in a bun. If it's in a bun, it's not a sandwich. It's That's it. it when you have meat, a slab of meat between two pieces of bread, that is a sandwich. But this is a tube in a bun. We disagree. What do you think the listeners think? Well, some of them will agree with you, and some of them will agree with me. But who's right? Well, you can look at the discussion um, in great depth and detail conducted by Stephen Colbert and John Osmond about this very weighty subject and come to your own conclusion. I'm Stephen Colbert, and you're John Osman. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will next month be headed south for the warm weather as we hit the road for Tucson. Won't we already be in Tucson? Yeah, we will be in Tucson by the time we make the next podcast. Right. And we will be looking forward to hearing from you, visiting our website. And if you're among the f- the 2,500 people who download the, the... The calendar? No. No, don't I wish. The 2,500 people who download the podcast on the first day, oh. it may be a little bit late on January 1st because... That's tomorrow, and I've got to get this edited and mounted and stuff like that. So and we're in the far western time zone. That's too. right, and plus the fact that I will be making the web page a little bit late, so don't click on all the links or expect all the links to be active immediately. Have some more champagne. Champagne's about gone, isn't it? So don't uh, give me a little break. <laughs> 
about people harassing you? Well, occasionally I get harassed a little bit. I mean, it's not it's not hardcore harassment. I think harassing. you've been very old faithful. I try to be, but our listeners are preeminent in my mind, and I try to maintain the schedule that we have promised. Keep the folks happy. Keep everybody happy, and we certainly enjoy hearing from you. We've had the opportunity to have a couple of dinners with or lunches with uh, listeners here in the Las Vegas area, so that's been nice, and we appreciate uh, everybody contacting us. And if you're going to be in the Tucson area, let us know, and we will make arrangements with you, too. We'll rendezvous. And we'll go to the GEM show together, which is February's big topic. Big activity. So uh, without further ado, then we will say, well... This, we never make the podcast this late. And we never drink. No, we're drinking because we were requested to. Requested, yeah. And I'm we're sure. sorry that our horns don't work anymore. We'll have to buy new horns for next year. <laughs> but we're too cheap to buy. We've worn out the equipment. <laughs> After years and years of service, the equipment has run out. So with that, we will say we hope to see you in a campground near us in the not-too-distant future, which definitely might be a possibility. Happy New Year and happy travels. And make your New Year's resolutions for 2018. To go camping. Yes, to go camping. Talk to you later. 